So the first Sunday of every month we set aside to take communion together. So at the end of the message today we'll be taking communion. Ushers will hand out the communion elements. Don't get distracted by the instructions that are on it. I'll give you instructions later. All right. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Two weeks ago I began this these messages that are like a progression, not really a series. They're building one upon the other in their topics. The first week talking about the adoption and how we are when we enter into the family of God, when we say yes to God, that he adopts us in as a covenant child. And last week I talked about grafted in and what that means and you can look up what happens to a branch that's grafted into a vine and the process that it has to go through and how that's a, a great illustration of what God does when he picks us up, adopts us, he slices into the side of his son and places us in him and then wraps us and binds us in him. And then, like I said last week, we have two obligations in being grafted in. And today we're going to be talking about discerning the body because there's an obligation that we have to um, adhere to in this obligation, in this obligation to be connected to the body and to bear fruit when Christ willingly opened up his life for God to graft us in, that we have an obligation now both to the body. And to the sacrifice, Jesus. And so the problem with, and then he gives us, and I talked about it again, I'll talk to, about it last week, so um, listen to the message, um, or re-listen to the message, that life-giving, you know, his blood that goes through us, when we're grafted into his side, that life-giving sap, I called it last week, that for us to open up and allow all of him in us. And that's God's highest ultimate goal for each one of us is that we're walking in the fullness of him. We're walking as Jesus is now in this world. That's how we're supposed to be walking. And we can't get there if we're picking and choosing. Well, I like this part of God, but I don't like this part. I'll accept this part of the Bible, but I don't know about this part. It's like, I'll let him have this part of my life, but he can't have this part. This part's mine. I'll give him Sunday morning, but, you know, the rest of the week is mine. He just won't do it. You cannot do it. As a matter of fact, we know, and I know personally, that a plant that's starting to die, those branches that are starting to die, not bearing fruit, will actually suck more life from that plant and cause it to die faster. That's why those have to be pruned off. Because what are they doing? They're wasting, they're sucking up the life from the rest of the plant. And they have to be pruned off. But today I want to talk to you about, see, the problem with receiving all the provisions that Jesus died for us to have, that fullness of Christ, is that we don't discern properly. 
as Paul put it. The title of today's message is called Discerning the Body. I better start this thing. Understanding and applying the fullness of Jesus in us, for us, to us, and through us. You understand, to receive the fullness of God, just so you don't walk around like a big oompa loompa, you know. <laughs> you know, fat and happy. But that you are the taste and see, you can give to others. You can help provide for others. You know, God says that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. That's what Paul said in the Bible. The goodness of God leads men to repentance. They are supposed to taste and see from you how good God is. Well, if you're just a bunch of leaves, ain't no fruit on you, what are they going to taste? Who wants to eat a leaf? If you ever had a salad and it's got everything else in there, I look outside and think, you picked this from your yard, didn't you? You know, there's, you know, you want the fruit, not just the leaves. And like I said, last week I mentioned the two main obligations being grafted in is that you connect, you stay connected, and you produce fruit. You stay connected, you produce fruit. All doing their part, the body, as the body of Christ, connected. We talked about the supporting ligaments, that when one part isn't doing their share, the rest of the body is suffering. And producing fruit, you cannot produce fruit in your life if you are not appropriating the fullness of God. That life-giving sap, all of it and all of you. And Jesus called himself the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot produce fruit apart from him. And he also mentioned that if you are in him and you're not producing fruit, say goodbye. Because my father will come around. He's got to prune those off. Again, because you're drawing life from the rest of the plant. The body will die. You wonder, ever wonder why Jesus got so mad at that fig tree? When he walked by it and cursed it, because it was full of leaves and yet it had no fruit. How dare you pretend to be healthy and yet you carry no fruit? Goodbye. Goodbye. And see, that's what the church wants to do. The church wants to flourish in all these things that look like they're healthy, but there's no real fruit. And they actually try to cover up the fact that they don't have any fruit. Well, we'll just shout louder. We'll dance more. But where's the fruit? The life-giving sap that comes from Jesus is all of him. All of him, all the word, all of him and all of you must be appropriated into every part of our life. And then fruit comes. You don't have to, uh, for the fruit. 
it comes naturally. You cannot help but produce good fruit when you're fully full of God. That life-giving sap, Jesus himself, will run through us, for us, and for others. Remember, that's why we're still here. We have a job to do. Otherwise, the minute you gave your life to the Lord, he would have snapped you up and taken you to heaven. You have a job to do. And let me help you understand. All people, good, bad, and even the ugly, are all his children. All his children. From the most holiest of holy person down to the wickedest of the wicked. They're all his children. So you be careful how you speak about his children. The good, the bad, the ugly. They're his children. Well, the child molester is still his child. The drunkard that stole from me let still his child. But for the grace of God, you and I are equally as wicked. So don't speak against his children. Love his children. You have a job to do. The house is on fire. And his children are caught in that fire. And it's our job, it's our mission to get them. Get to them. Deliver that water. Deliver that life. Rescue them from the pits. And I love how the Bible said some that you can... You can speak eloquently with and they'll receive and others you got to go rushing into the fire and grab them by the hair and drag them out of the fire. I remember, I'm going to say it Carrie, sorry. When Brian and I got married, gave our, gave our hearts to the Lord and we were just young, innocent and full of the Holy Spirit and Carrie was still living with her boyfriend and still getting high and drunk and stuff and Brian and I would go over there and I said, I don't know how to witness to somebody but I know how to read this word. So we would sit at the kitchen table and read out loud the word. Read out, and they'd sit over there in the living room getting high, and we were getting a contact buzz, and I would leave smiling. No, I'm not. And I'm like, not good. Well, I remember one week, I'm like, Brian, we're not doing any good. We're not. And I came across that scripture. And I remember standing up at that kitchen, at that kitchen table as we were leaving because they lit up again. And I told Carrie, I said, I love you enough. I'm not letting you go to hell. I love you enough. I'm going to go ahead and grab you by the hair and drag you out of the fire of hell if I have to. But I'm not giving up on you. But I will not stay and continue to just, you know, when you start smoking, we got to, and not, it was this. It wasn't this. It was this. I said, we got to leave because we're not being good stewards. God's called us away from that stuff. That was part of our old life. And so we got to go. But I told her, I'm not giving up on her. And it was that Thanksgiving that she came to the house and said, I can't live like this anymore. And I got to lead her back to the Lord. I'll tell you, you cannot give up on those. And you have a job to do. You have a mission to do. And everyone, everyone 
as God's child. And that's why that life-giving fullness of his sap going in you, you've got to discern the reason, the body, that life-giving sap is going through you. Yes, it's for you, but it's for others. Don't forget that. I want to share with you two stories. Uh, one I'll just allude to. Um, but the woman at the well, in John chapter 4, Jesus was on his way, had a mission, and I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, okay, I need to stop. Here's a West Coast station. I'm setting down. Um, it was a well. And at that well... There was a lady, and it gets into it. Let me just help you understand if you don't know the story. This woman had five husbands already. She was on uh, man number six. Man number six didn't want to even marry her because he's like, you know, you've been married five other times. Why should I marry you? But I'll go ahead and sleep with you as much as I want. My grandma used to say, why buy the cow if you get the milk free? Ladies, your milk is worth something. Don't be giving it away free. But this woman was emotionally broken. She was spiritually lost, but she was emotionally broken. She was trying to find her fulfillment emotionally in men. She was broken. And she came out to the well. She had to come out to the well in the middle of the day, which was the worst time to do that. Nobody else did that, but because the women all picked on her because, well, she was a... Yeah, not a, not a very good girl. Uh, instead of getting picked on and coming in early when the rest of the women did, or late at night after the sun was starting to go down so it was cooler, she'd come out in the middle of the day. Get her water so she could get it all by herself and not be picked on. She was emotionally broken. And Jesus sat down at the well, and as she came in and she started getting her water, he looked at her, and look at John chapter 4. Uh, let's pick it up at verse 4. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called whatever, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Of course, she says, Well, sir, hey, you have nothing to draw water with. The well's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, drank from it himself, which also did his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
He's set down there for a purpose. To share with her, here I am. You are so thirsty. I know what you... And then he goes on to talk to her about her life. He actually told her, hey, go get your husband. She's like, well, sir, actually... He says, yeah, I know. You've been married five times before and the one you're with isn't even your husband now. I know who you are. I know where you are. I know you're thirsty. But you don't need to keep searching for a drink from all these other wells. She didn't discern that right before her was the living water. And she'll never thirst again. There was a lame man by the pool called in Bethsaida. He was lame there, and that's in John, I think it's John 6, John 5, the next chapter over. He had been there for 38 years. There was this pool that the, here, let me read it to you. Probably it would be a lot quicker than me telling it. Uh, let's start at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five colored or covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been there in his condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? New King James Version actually says, do you want to be made well? Of course, then the man goes into all the excuses why he's still laying there. Um, how he couldn't get into the pool before somebody else would get in. But like I've shared with you before, if I had been there, I, I, I don't, I pray to God it wouldn't take me 38 years to figure it out. Um, I am kind of a tenacious person. Amy knows I'm kind of a competitive person. We went for a little horse race last night at the harvest party, and I got close to the finish line, and I just lunged at it. I win! <laughs> would not, Lord, I don't believe it would take me 38 years to realize the first one in that pool is going to get healed and I'm going to stay way back here? Uh, no. And maybe he needed a little bit more of a competitive spirit in him to get right up on the edge. Hang there and wait. Oh, look at that. What's over there? You know? I hope it wouldn't take me 38 years. But that's what Jesus was asking him. He's like, you know, do you even want to be made well? And could you imagine the king of glory standing before you with those eyes looking at you? Do you want to be made well? And then to go into all the excuses of why he's not. And yet right in front of him was the bread of life. The bread of life. The healer. The one who said in, it, the word said in Isaiah, he has 
healed you. The prophecies lining up one right after the other. He has come, what? To heal you completely. And he's standing before the man and all the man could do instead of discerning who it was before him had a handful of excuses. There is over in Matthew 19 a rich young man that came to Jesus. He's a good man. He's a religious man. And he, but yet he knew something was lacking in his life. So he asked Jesus, you know, good teacher, what more do I need to do? He could feel there was something lacking. And I like it that Jesus even asked him, why you, why you, why you call me good? See, he knew he needed goodness. He was lacking something. He's like, what more can I do? And when Jesus told him, remember, this was the rich young man. When Jesus told him, looked at him, hmm, I know what it is. Why don't you go and sell everything that you have and then come follow me? It was the one thing that man would not let go of. You see, money's not evil. But the love of money is evil. Your neighbor, as much as you'd like to say, they're evil. You holding on forgiveness. You holding them captive because they owe you something. They owe me an apology. They owe me this. They owe me that. That is evil. And you've got to let it go. And Jesus looked at him and said, I see, Brenda paraphrased, I see what's holding you back. Can you let it go? Can you trust me to follow me and I'll take care of all your needs? Can you trust me with nothing else? Then come follow me. And it says that the man went away very sad. Because he could not discern the king of glory, Jehovah Jireh, his provider, was standing right before him. And he went away sad. Discerning the body understanding and applying, understanding and applying to your life everything that Jesus is. All of it and all of you. Too many Christians are struggling to see fruit in their lives, especially the much more fruit that Jesus said that we should be walking in, right? All because we aren't discerning who Jesus really is and applying his life-giving sap through our lives. Listen, we need to stop picking and choosing which part of him we will accept and which parts of him we'll reject. God, I know you told me to love all as you loved all, but you don't know my neighbor. 
He says, yes, I do. That's my child. Do you know I've got children who are doing well and some who are, let's just say, not doing well. Some who are doing good and some who are not doing good. But my love for all of them is the same. And I can speak harshly to one of my children. I can correct one of my children. Be quiet or I'll be spanking your butt later, boy. But I don't want you to speak harshly to one of my kids. That's not your place to do that. My place. Same thing with God. Don't call one of my children that name. Don't turn your back on one of my children. Yeah, they're not doing good, but they deserve to eat. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're wandering right now. They're not home right now, but they'll get there. His, his, all his hopes and dreams, if I can say it that way, God, all his hopes and dreams, his will entirely is wrapped around his desire that all be saved. But we can't just pick and choose which parts of him we'll accept and what parts of him we will reject. He said, I am the living water. I am the bread of life. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. That's John 6, 57. I am the living water and the bread of life. You have an obligation to take all of him into all of you and to give all of him through you to others. That living water that he told the woman at the well, once you start drinking of him, what? You have an obligation to let it go through you to others. That bread of life that you need, your body needs, is not just for your body, it's for his body. To let them taste and see of you that the Lord is good. Friday when I was putting this message together, I was pondering that idea that the body, the church, is struggling in fruit. Let's just be honest. In the manifestation, I mean, we're supposed to be walking in greater miracles than Jesus did. Are we seeing that yet? Okay, that's the fruit I'm talking about. The fruit of his goodness through us. Miracles, signs, wonders, healings, the dead raised, the, the unclean spirits cast out, you know, all that. That's the kind of fruit I'm talking about. And I was just waiting on God and I'm like pondering this un, this limited fruit, I want to put it that way. Because we are seeing little bits of fruit here and there. And I, he, he said, he spoke back and he said, you, they've forgotten who I am. Who I am. Jesus said they've forgotten who I am. And all of a sudden, all this just started flooding my mind. I am the bread of life. I am the, the life to the nation. I am the great I am. I am the one who heals them. I am the peace in their storm. I am the one that comforts them. I am the one that gathers them in. And all these things just started flooding my mind. Every one of our 
turmoil, trials, uh, inner woes, if you will. I, I want to try to be, you know, politically correct in things that we struggle with. Can all be found, the answer can all be found in his name, I am. If you need something, he is what you need. If you're lacking something, he is what you lack. If you're thinking that there's something more, he is the something more. When we go looking for a filling somewhere else, a band-aid somewhere else, a healing somewhere else, we've forgotten who he is. He is all we need. We've forgotten who he is. We're not discerning who he is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul makes a parallel statement that links our unfruitfulness with weakness, sickness, uh, and, and death. Our unfruitfulness with weakness, sickness, and even death to our understanding and our application of Jesus. Discerning the body. In verse 27 and 30 of 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. He did that exclamation point again. Yes, Lord, we are examining ourselves right now. I know, we might need another altar call right now. <laughs> We're examining, our, examining ourselves right now. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Listen to this. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak, sick among you, and have fallen asleep. And I'm not talking about like you do sometimes in church. <laughs> Even though I believe it is spiritual, you know, apathy, complacency too. But it's physically. Remember uh, when he talked about um, uh, Lazarus. He said, come on, let's go. Our brother has fallen asleep said when Jesus was raised from the dead, remember many who had fallen asleep came up out of their graves. So he's talking about physical death. Why? Because they're not discerning the body. Listen carefully. They're weak, they're sick, and they're dying in their sickness because they're not discerning the body. He is the one who heals. He has already healed you. But if you're not discerning who it is, your healer, you're not appropriating that healing. You're not applying that healing in you, fully in you, and through you, you will die sick. Weak. You're weak. I mean, that's where I feel like we are right now. We're weak. Why? Because we're not appropriating the fullness of his body. Of all he is. Who he is. I mean, God spoke
that very clear to me. We have forgotten who he is. And remember, it's not a knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. I'm talking about an understanding. That word to discern means it's an understanding and application. It's understanding and applying it. Just to have a book knowledge won't heal you. When you have been grafted into the vine, his life is flowing in you. But if you do not discern, understand, and apply his fullness, you will not produce fruit. So I want us to take time right now. I know Pastor Denny did an awesome job and Pastor Amy um, and Salvation Message um, already, worship, amazing. Um, but I want us to take time right now. We need to repent. Because we've been picking and choosing what parts of Jesus we'll have. <laughs> Forgiving everybody, God, uh, as you forgave me. Mm. You know, in, in this, you know, unhindered worship, lifting your hands. Mm, that's not for me, God. This dancing in the Lord, that's not for me, God. You know, I'll take this one because I can do this one. And I'll take this part of you because I like this part of you. But those other things, we need to repent of that. We're dissecting the very body that died for us. The bread of life. Oh, we just want this part of you, but we don't want this part of you. Oh, we'll drink because we're thirsty, but, you know, I don't want a big drink. I don't want a big gulp. So let's just take time right now. So I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but I want you to bow your heads. I want you to just think. I want you to examine yourselves, as Paul said. Examine yourself. God, is there anything in me? Have I been picking and choosing what part of you, Jesus, and what part of you, the Word, you are the Word, that I'll receive, and what parts I've been not receiving? Forgive me, God. Forgive me for that right now. Forgive me for that. And right now, we just surrender all of us. We open up all of us. That we have been, uh, we, we just ask for forgiveness. That we have been closing off parts of our life or closing off parts of us to you. And we just open up wide before you right now. Father, you grafted us into the very side of Jesus. Into the vine. You tucked us into his flesh. And you're allowing this blood to cleanse us, to wash through us right now. His body, his blood cleanses us. Just wash over us, wash through us right now. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Just start receiving that fullness, all of him, all of him, right now, all of him.
All of him. All of him. All of him. Right now, all of him. Come on, get rid of everything else. All of him. We need to discern who is before us right now. Jesus, Jesus. All of you, all of you, and all of us. All of you. All of you, all of you. As Amy comes back up and the ushers start handing out communion, I want you to remain in this attitude of just letting him just examine you and wash through you. All of him, all of him, and all of you. And I'll give you instructions about the communion in just a minute. First Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. That word proclaim means to declare and decree. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim, you declare, and you decree. You make it so. That everything he surrendered his life for, that he died for you and I to have, you declare and you decree, make it so now. All of you, Jesus, in all of us now. We declare and we decree now, now, all of you, Jesus, all of who you are now in us, now in us and through us now. Come on, just declare that now. Decree that. Make that so now, Jesus, all of you and all of me. Yes, all of you and all of me. Yes, 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 yes. You are my healer. Yes, you have healed me. You are my peace. You are my comfort. You are the bread of life. You are the living water. Jesus, Jesus, Savior and Lord Jesus. You are everything I need. Yes, yes, all of you and all of me. Yes, 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 yes. All of you and all of me. Yes. 